lifelong goal to stop clenching my jaw when I sleep. <laughs> um, here I am. I'm into the idea of things having a very special form. It happens and it's gone forever. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> don't get used to it. Keep it shifting. You thought you knew me. was glowing all the music on this episode is Mount Erie and the microphones I gotta let this song play out it's just too beautiful the house that I walk home to is in flames in this wind the wind is getting stronger Santa Claus all up in your face That's right Thanksgiving happened It was beautiful It was beautiful We had a nice little evening Over at my brother And sister I'll stop the voice, sorry We had a nice little evening Over at Josiah and Liz's house My parents came down Uh, Our friends Ann and Daniel came down uh, uh, Liz and my mother uh, were the greatest culinary contributors, the only, I believe, culinary contributors to the occasion. Uh, I hope that's not too stereotypical. The women, you know, do the uh, cooking. I, I, I should have done something. I do cook all the time, as you know, but I don't know. It snuck up on me, and I didn't get anything done for it. Uh, I apologize to women everywhere uh, for that. But it was great. The 
spread was ample. Uh, a cornucopia of of dishes and and uh, flavors uh, to suit anyone's taste, uh, as it should be uh, on such a holiday of Thanksgiving and uh, grace, love, respect, uh, adulation for um, God or whatever deity uh, you believe in, be it the real God or or some other uh, false god. Just a great, a, it was a good time anyway. Uh, and, but it was the, it set off a long uh, weekend of I don't want to say debauchery because I don't drink, uh, but uh, maybe uh, ran me a little ragged around the corners. Uh, you know, I was out till, and I'll do the I'll do the times for you. I believe it was three thirty. Uh, and then uh, we're starting on Thursday. That was, I think it's like 3.30 on Thursday, f- 4 o'clock on Friday, uh, 3 o'clock or so on Saturday, and then uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday. That is not normal for me. That is not normal for me. You do the math. Uh, I believe all of that adds up to 9, whatever that means. Um, you know, divide by four and you got whatever you have. The reason that that happened, I mean, one of the main reasons, and I I don't want to cite one reason uh, because it was sort of, you know, sometimes at some points in your life you say, okay, well, it's time for me to be social, blow off some steam. Uh, But the main reason maybe was my my buddy RJ was in town and you'll meet him. You'll meet him. I believe you'll meet him uh, on the first Wednesday of the new year of 2014. I believe that's when you will meet RJ. Uh, he is my uh, BFF, I believe you call it, uh, from high school. He is living in New York, Brooklyn, Crown Heights, uh, and doing that whole wildlife. Not a wild, he's, not a, he's, not like, he's not a male model. Well, he could be. He's not. He's he's a guy, but he's he's a great friend of mine, and he he was in town for Thanksgiving, as he always is, and you know we 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 took time out uh, with each other, but it was that time happened to be post midnight generally. Uh, so, but anyway, it was it was good times. Did danced, I believe twice. Did, did, like uh, you know. I could be seen from a closed circuit camera. Wouldn't want anyone to see that. But but it I'm sure the tapes exist. The Cincinnati paparazzi scene is is I'm a commodity. Let me put it that way. You know, oh, that guy, I saw him at a show one time where he played for four hundred people. Let's get some photos of him and put them on, you know, my private Instagram. I have twelve followers. Some, some, you know, late nights. So I, I'm a little tired. Yesterday, I drove up to Columbus for my very first chiropractic appointment. Well, why do you go to Columbus? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I have a friend, uh, Matthew, who, who uh, is a chiropractor and said that he would, he would offer his services uh, gratis. And, uh, 
that was appealing. Obviously, the, the price point of zero was appealing, but also the fact that uh, this is someone that I actually know. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a person that enjoys going to doctors and, and things like that. Um, not that it, not that a chiropractor has the same negative connotations to me that like a hospital disease ridden hospital has. No, it's different, but, but regardless, it's nice to go to someone that, you know, uh, to have the experience be, uh, more personal. Why? Well, the next question that you're going to ask is why, uh, did you go to a chiropractor? I've been having some back problems. Maybe I've mentioned this on the cast. I, I you know, I, 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 it's my middle back. I pulled something. I woke up one morning on tour, actually, and my back was fucked up. You know, me, the way I do it is I try to swim it off. Uh, and I, you know, and it probably only made it worse. Anyway, since then, and that was a couple months ago, um, it's been funny. You know, and I do a lot, a lot of yoga, as you all know. Uh, and I've been working on opening my heart, okay, metaphorically and physically, which means pushing the shoulders back and down. And, uh, you know, sort of maybe I've been almost arching the mid back, which is not something you want to do. Probably, uh, Matthew showed me a whole, uh, well, he had like a, like a puppet spine, you know, that he showed me or, or, or a, like, I, I guarantee that's like something that chiropractors buy for like $6,000 this, like, because it, each, each section of it was mobile. It was like a, you know, a demonstration spine and it, it is not supposed to be arched. It was an interesting experience. I enjoyed it. Uh, he now he does a gentle form of of chiropractory, where it's not they're not just cracking you left and right. It was sort of, um, it was a weird. I don't even know how to explain what he did, but he kept like moving my legs to see how they tracked, and then he would like go in and and use this instrument on each particular vertebrae or rib or whatever that we're, we're at, you know, slightly out of place or whatever. Now there was one place in my neck, uh, where he said, Oh man, this is really, you know, you, your C2 vertebrae or whatever is really stiff or whatever. So, um, he had to crack that one. So I did get a touch of that classic chiropractor experience where I just, he said, okay, you know, relax your head. And then it was just, and uh, I enjoyed that a great deal. I, I can't say that I'm feeling like 100% better today. I wake up every morning just stiff as an 18-year-old penis. And, uh, you know, I, I it's not unusual for... Maybe it's my pillow. You know, I, I, I have all these, like, memory... Like, hand-me-down memory foam pillows from my mom. I have the symphony which is touted as, as uh, the greatest, I think that's, I think uh, the, the symphony, and then below that is like the, the big band, and then below that is like the trio, and then you have like a singer-songwriter or something, so I don't know, but the symphony is too stiff for me, it, it, it almost is like it's somebody constantly shoving me in the back of the head all night. Now, some people, that appeals to some people. Anyway, maybe it's my pillow. Maybe it's my maybe my memory foam mattress is not all that I thought it was. I enjoy it. I love it. I like the feel of it. Maybe I'm wearing down the space in the middle. 
you know, there's no one sleeping in there but me ever. Sad as that sounds. So maybe the 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 middle is getting uh, a dip. It doesn't feel that way. Anyway, so I I I I do have another appointment with him set up. He's going to come down to a uh, show that my brother and Liz are doing. So uh, that's in a couple of weeks. So we're going to do a follow up. He's going to knock some things back into place again. But before that, I'm trying to get a. I have a friend that does Thai yoga massages that appeals to me obviously so i'm gonna do that sometime this week hopefully and maybe that will will uh bring things into alignment a little more or at least give a, a temporary relief i don't want to go on and on about my but you know when you do have some sort of uh, ailment or something that's bothering you it's hard to think of other things but this is a very exciting i have none other than Phil Elvram on the show today, which I'm so glad that he came down to Seattle uh, to do this interview. We sat outside of the show box. I'm sorry, where the fuck did we play? Numos. We sat outside of Numos in our tour van and had this conversation. And he he is such an easy guy to talk to. A very funny guy really kind of very real dude this is a very real dude this is not someone that ever feels like he has to put on any kind of pretension or any or you know make any kind of joke to make it feel more comfortable or anything he's just kind of like always real seems like to me Uh, and I really appreciate that about him I, I this is another guy that like um I I wish that I lived close to Though I know him not very well. I mean, you know, I've hung out with him a handful of times. We toured with him twice, I think, but I've never gotten super close to him. So this this conversation was probably the longest conversation I've had with him, really. Anyway, I'm I'm running off at the mouth more than I usually do, I think. So let's go to Seattle now. Phil Elvon. Cool, I'm here with fucking living legend, <laughs> Phil Elvram of Mount Erie, nay, the microphones. Yep, hi. <laughs> of Anacortes, Washington. We're in Seattle, Washington, at outside of Numos, uh, recording in our, in our tour van right now. How, how are you, man? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing really well. Sweet van. Thank you. you well, it's not ours. Is it named? It's a rental. I don't know. This is the first time. I just saw it for the first time at 3 this afternoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Black Dragon, maybe. Black Dragon. It's, it, yeah, it has a... To me, it has like a Men in Black, mm-hmm. a bit of a... Um, yeah, like a CIA vibe. <laughs> totally. But it's yeah, a, super tinted. But it's a van, though. So, I don't know. It's like where they carry the CIA's stuff. Right, right. And the town car with the two, yeah. like, really hot shot guys goes ahead or behind. Behind, um, what's what's the latest? What are you, are you working on music? What do what do what are you up to these days? Or I mean, tweeting a lot? No, I'm trying to stop. You're trying to stop. I'm trying to stop. Why is that? Well, it you know, Twitter can be addictive. The computer is addictive. Yes, and um, Twitter is just a, a facet of that for me. So 
it started as a joke. I'm surprised to have kept it for this long, and it's fun. It's a it's a joy. But yeah, I'm just trying to cut down. I guess be more conscious of it. Be less of a spectator on it, um, and tweet less. Also, I don't know. The world is just full of what Twitter. <laughs> the world is full of Twitter. Yeah, already. Yeah, I'm I hear you. Just about contributing. But to it, it. you're so funny on Thank there, you. and I hear you, and I I hear you about wanting to not be on there sitting on there reading everybody's shit yeah you know I think if you're gonna it, like but I don't think you do that too much I don't no, know I don't, I don't follow that many people but even uh you don't follow I me. wanna only tweet when I'm inspired to tweet just like I only wanna yeah. write a song when I'm inspired yeah. like whenever I sit down and try and write a song it's um it doesn't work you know, so you gotta wait for it. Although, actually, I shouldn't say that because Twitter is the opposite of that. Sometimes I'll go, like, I'm gonna make a tweet right now. And then I'll go there and just, like, stare at the little box. And, like, my mind goes into this weird state. Like, it's a free-form writing experiment. And yeah. And it just, like, a word... Just a... It gets so surreal. It's like and a haiku. Yeah, but even, like, more surreal. And my favorite tweets, at least, are yeah. or more abstract. So, I actually do really like that. I started that whole thing as an experimental joke, just to be like, this seems like dumb bullshit. Should I try and do one and, like, test people's attention span? What if I were to tweet every two seconds, like, for 48 hours or something? Like, where do people draw the line? Right, right. Is that just, like, pushing pushing it to the extreme? I think when I get dragged down, it's when I'm looking at it too much. I don't get dragged down by writing stuff on it. I just think the computer in general, I, yes. every step I can take away from it, yep. I think of as a good thing. So, in that regard, my last few months have been really good. I had a great summer of just, like, doing household stuff and doing almost embarrassingly um, picturesque-type activities. Like, I chain, like working on my wood pile, chainsawing a lot, and, like, you know, getting ready for winter. Yeah. Getting into gardening, finally. Nice. And fixing, restoring this canoe and doing, like... The types of things that I actually get annoyed at being perceived as the being type that of way. That people always think you do. I know, and I never actually do, except yeah. for now I'm actually doing them. Yeah. So it's a little That's bit how weird. I envision you. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a first. Wait, More wait, you said ma- digging a canoe out, making a canoe? Restoring. So oh, we oh, had oh. a canoe that was like the canvas needed to be replaced, and I, I thought, oh, I'll just do that. And I read a book about it and turned into this like three-month project. So you heard it here first, guys. Phil Elver <laughs> chopped down a tree and carved it into a canoe. That's what I said, yep. <laughs> no, I would do that. That sounds awesome. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah. Making a dugout. I watched a video of that one. Oh, yeah? On the National Film Board of Canada, they have all their films. You can just watch them. Yeah. There's amazing, amazing, yeah, like old Quebec indigenous people making canoes out of birch bark and sap. Just on the side of the river and then paddling away. That sounds end. fucking tight, man. Yeah, it's good. Fuck, I'm living the wrong life, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm talking about watching this on the computer. So, <laughs> well, I, and, and in a way, this this black van is is my is my canoe. It's your dugout. Yeah, that's a good name for it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. And it's, and and it's, speaking of computers, you still you still record analog. Yeah, although last man standing the. Yeah, I have a pretty sweet studio set up with a friend in Anacortes. It's like, you know, a two-inch tape machine and all this stuff. And it's nice. It's great. 
but I do have a record coming out in November that's um, all computer. It's a Mountaineer record? Yeah. Okay. It's called Pre-Human Ideas, and it's all demos, kind of, that I made on GarageBand with oh. it's just so much auto-tune and cool. all MIDI, like, synthetic. It's kind of a joke, Yeah. but also I got authentically into how it sounds. Midday in the light Quiet echoes of a freezing moon Distant bell Cold and clear Okay. So, yeah, I've been scratching the surface of computer that's, recording. That's fun. I, I did, you know, before I had, uh, before I had um, Pro Tools on a traveling computer, mm-hmm. you know, like when you had to carry the inbox around and uh-huh. whatever, like, you know, and I didn't... So I I had GarageBand on it and uh, and I was starting to do that on the road a little bit where mm-hmm. I would just fuck around and do like a really shitty sounding demo on on, on GarageBand just trying to figure out GarageBand and I did actually a cover of one of your songs oh, yeah. that I never even I never mixed and I never finished it really but uh, the I think it's the last song on three albums it was the change your mm, way yeah. of limping mm-hmm. yeah yeah but um, never finished it. Yeah, well, one day I will. That's basically what I'm doing too, because I'm redoing my, I'm covering my own songs, your own songs. So like making new lyrics that overlap and all these new layers of like women's voices, but yeah. my own voice pitch shifted. So these are these are demos of songs that the finished versions are already done. Yeah, exactly. These are post mortem demos. Yeah, so demos not the right word. I, it was for touring, so I needed. I had a new touring band. I needed to tell the band how to play the songs. GarageBand lets you spit out sheet music from your MIDI instruments. Yeah. So that was just the simplest way I could think of to teach my band, who live in different cities, Yeah. to teach them songs. How is that, like, dealing with band members that live in different cities? It sucks, yeah. It's it's difficult. You're pretty used to it, though, right? Yeah. I mean, I have a small group of people that I've worked with that... Um, I know I figured out how to make it happen, but it just as part of it comes with living in a small town. There's a small pool of musicians to, yeah. to choose from. So, and you're not satisfied with. I don't want to look. We're, I'm not trying to get you into trouble here with <laughs> the, the, all my listenership in Anacortes, <laughs> but uh, you, you haven't found people there that you feel like uh, fit the bill. No, no, I've toured with them a lot. Okay, like, but. I just, it's important to me to keep it shifting all the time. Why is that? I noticed that you do that. So every time you go out, like, for a, a year or two at a time or whatever, mm-hmm. or like, well, I don't know, how, how how often do they, do you turn over a band? It's like, is it like Chili's or TJ Fridays or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, every tour, ideally, every okay. tour. So, yeah, a couple times a year. I just did finish on Sunday or Saturday. So two days ago, I played my last show. That I have booked ever, um, I'm sure I'll book more eventually. Okay. But right okay. now, I got no plans. That's your shtick for the show, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it yeah. was. But yeah. I've been making an effort. Definitely, no, sh- no more shows for the next few months. For the next few months, okay. But yeah, that was like we only had four shows for that ensemble, and it was just a singing group. A lot of okay. just I played oh, acoustic cool. guitar and um, two women sang with me. Oh, I'd love to we, hear that. We had four shows opening for Bonnie Prince Billy oh, around wow. the Northwest. It was super fun. And I knew, so I knew the shows were going to be in nice theaters, so it was a good opportunity to do this acapella, more or less acapella thing. Um, but yeah, it was, 
we you know we had 13 songs and it was a lot of effort to learn 13 songs for just four four shows and we'll never reconvene in that form so, again so why do you do that why do you why do you why do you like that why it's do you like to change like your band a lot putting out a lot of seven inches or something i like to leave lots of breadcrumbs yeah or whatever yeah just like I'm into the idea of things having a very special form that will just it happens and it's gone forever rather than like ah uh, well Mount Erie limited will, edition Mount Erie will be back in town next time I'll just catch it then right right and it will be exactly the same I can count on that right and all I mean there's that but there's also I get bored I'm gonna be there every time so yeah. I wanna and also <laughs> I mean the list goes on but I, I do believe that music should be like a constantly living, morphing thing. Songs yeah. so, songs should have a evolution to it, them. It should be a challenge to the player uh, every time in a way, or, yeah. or a not. I don't want to say challenge, but you should be conscious of what you're doing exactly. at all times. Never yeah. go. See, I go into these. I mean, we we keep a band. We turn over maybe every year or two, mm-hmm. and at some point. And I don't think this is a bad thing for what we're doing necessarily. Um, I get into a zone where I'm not necessarily thinking of what I'm doing, and it becomes more like it's coming from a part of me that is muscle memory and ingrained. Right? Yeah, yeah. And Fair I, enough. Like who, nobody is like 100 percent inhabiting yeah, the moment all yeah, the time. Yeah, but but I try to inhabit the moment maybe on a different level. Uh-huh. Maybe like okay, I don't have to. It's not a challenge for me to remember these lyrics and sing them, you know, in the right melody, but enjoy thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, just like, just enjoy the moment on a different level. Yeah. Like, oh, there's all these people here and this is interesting and I'm feeling the music and, yeah, you know, yeah. I, that kind of well, thing. Well, there's more happening too than the lyrics. And you know what I mean? Yes. You can be inhabiting the moment in other ways, musically. I, I'll inhabit, I'll do I'll do phrasings a little different yeah, and sure. things like that. Little little small details that no one gives a shit about, really. Those, seeing these last four shows with Bonnie Prince Billy is an extreme example of that, because he never sings the song the same way. I don't know if you've ever seen him play, but... No, I, I would love to. So, But you've heard his records? Yeah, and of course. Like, so that's kind of his thing, is he'll start playing you know a song that everyone loves you, yeah. he'll sing the first line and everyone's like yes and then of course he like changes the chords and yeah. the melody is different every time and it's probably frustrating to a lot of people but I think that's the same idea he's like yeah. forcing people to not get too attached don't get used well, to it let me try to close this good because yes speaking of that I mean I remember going to your shows before we knew each other. I was just a fan in in Oakland and San Francisco. And oftentimes, I feel like you would uh, freestyle the show for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, I would know your records. You'd play maybe one or two songs off the records. And then a lot of like freestyle stuff that sometimes later maybe would turn into songs. Yeah, or maybe they were songs that felt more freestyle than they were. Oh, maybe. But, yeah. That, but they were they were ones that I hadn't heard. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I had a lot of songs in that era that never got recorded. Okay. Or, but, yeah, I, I was definitely more focused on being uh, improvised and being more like Will Oldham back then. In is that, is that who you were thinking about? Kind of, yeah. Time? I mean, I've, I've always drawn a lot of inspiration from him, and I yeah. think I do agree with his idea, this concept of, like, don't get used to it. 
Keep it shifting. Yeah. Keep it morphing. Well, that's, that comes from Bob Dylan, doesn't it? In yeah, a way, I'm sure. Yeah. He, that's what he's always done. I, yeah, yeah, right. I, I, Bob Dylan is a person who, every time I remember he exists, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should have a Dylan face. Right, right. <laughs> like, I probably would have a good one. But... He kind of started all this stuff that we all do, yeah. in, in a way. <laughs> I just skipped him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, speaking of that, who, who did you not skip? Who, who were the people that really got your goose? Well, I mean, I think there were probably different phases yeah. for me. Well, like early on, maybe. Early on, it, Nirvana was huge. Okay. Because I grew up outside of town and I didn't have access to like a punk scene or anything. Punk was kind of, I just knew the cartoon of it. I knew the word. Yeah. And I knew that Mohawks existed. Okay. <laughs> but that was it. So, like, Nirvana came on the radio, and it was, it made it into my world. Yeah. And, and, I re- and then from there, I went very quickly to realizing, oh, there's a record store in my town. Oh, they have the Sub Pop and K Records th- section. Oh, wow, there's bands in my town. And just very quickly, all of a sudden, I was in a band. What, what, was, it, what was the town? Is this Anacortes? An- Anacortes, yeah. In? Okay. And, yeah, so Brett, who was in the band Beat Happening, it was early Sub Pop, K Band. Um, moved back to his, he's from Anacortes as well and yeah. by the time I was a teenager he was had moved back there and started a small record store and was I guess without him Anacortes just would have been a regular town with maybe I wouldn't have found any of this life but uh, fortunately I found his little box of seven inches and tapes and he was recognized me and my friends as curious teens right and sort of like kept giving us things oh you should look at this check this out you should make a zine here right so yeah that was that was big to understand that music could be participatory and uh then after that I just was fully immersed in that world like so you were you were listening to everything that he was getting in the store everything he was getting in the store and also I was doing a lot of mail order and just uh, got a job at the store and um yeah Eric's trip was the next big step for me because that was the first thing I heard. That and Carl Blau, actually. Okay. That gave me the idea that recording could be participatory and recording could be part of the art form. That could be sloppy and you could just do it yourself. Right. Using the recording as an instrument almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because before that, I mean, I had a band in high school and we came down to Seattle and recorded in real studios. And I just thought that was the only way it right. could be done. Then Were you Carl, always disappointed with how it sort of turned out? He, well, not disappointed alienated more but just because I didn't know any other it didn't feel right yeah but I didn't know there was an alternative yeah until Carl walked into the store and he he was like barefoot with a literally a canvas duffel bag full of cassettes and a four track and he was like do you guys have an outlet I could use and just hang out for a while and he spent the day he was gonna record yeah in the back room of the store he was like much looser than he is now if you can imagine it yeah and he um Spent the afternoon in the back of the record store recording this song or an album, dubbing. And just had it, and then he gave me this tape at the end of the day. That's crazy. Walked on, very mythical. <laughs> wow! And he did he grow up in Anacortes as well? Yeah, next next town over. Okay, and and did you become friends after that? Or? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And by that point, I was running a little tape label out of the store called Know Your Own, and we started putting out Carl's tapes and. Um, yeah, set up a studio there at the store, and I would stay late after hours every night, and that's when I started making my own recording experiments, and 
Where, where are we at here? Like 95, 96? Yeah, 94, 95. Okay. 96. Wow. And then, yeah, after high school in 97, I moved to Olympia and basically did the same thing. I just started hanging out at K every day and um, for some reason Calvin gave me a key to the studio. Did you go because you had heard about K and that they were there? Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like there there was any other. I technically went to go to Evergreen, but I just was not interested in being in college at all. Okay. I went for two quarters and then stopped, because I was just so involved in the music stuff downtown. Evergreen is a little bit outside of town, and the downtown world where K was and every all the cool people were, that was where I was focused. And since I already had this studio key and... Uh, was that was that just like once you got into dub narcotic was it was it like li- lights out kind of deal? Yeah, and also I had gone on tour with dub narcotic sound system opening shows, and that was just like why live any other life? As what? What were you called? At the well, time? I was with D plus, so it was okay. with the band Carl and Brett, and I had okay. But then, yeah, very quickly after that, I was playing microphones shows solo. Okay, so I did it. Were you playing drums in D plus or, or yeah drums okay. on the first tours? Was that your is was drums your first instrument? Mm-hmm. Okay, well technically tuba was actually tuba, t- tuba oh, in cool. the school band. That's cool. I don't man. count that though because it, that was like reading the notes off the page and mm-hmm. do, knowing the fingerings, but that it didn't like playing drums or playing guitar or singing feels creative. Yeah, and re- doing that reading the notes thing somehow it feels like completely unrelated to creativity did, did uh, but do, do you still sometimes play tuba on songs and no stuff? I wish I, you don't if, have I, if I had a tuba I would, it would be all over or any my kind of, any kind of brass um, I'm trying to think my, I got a French horn and a trombone like from yeah. garage sales I, yeah. and I put those on there sometimes yeah. but it's loose yeah, I mean it's like the yeah. notes. The notes aren't quite the right notes. But that's that's something that uh, is appealing, I think, within yeah. within your music. And I, I, you know, I think the fact that not everything is perfect. But mm-hmm. what's cool to me is that the structures are so uh, thought out. Mm-hmm. It's not loose in the way that, well, Nirvana or. Um, I'm trying to think of like a band that's just like sloppy like pavement is uh-huh. loose. It's 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 like like the Beatles thought out but then sloppy. Right, yeah. How did you how did that happen? I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm, that might just be the way I naturally think of music um compositionally or s- sequentially how this section would feel next to this section or um I, I don't know, yeah, like like telling a story. I think about forming songs a lot in those terms. Like, well, I need to set the scene with this section and these sounds, and then I need to say this thing that's important to mm-hmm. say, and then this would be a good twist, a good plot twist over here. I'm not into repetition or choruses so much. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Just what It's what comes natural. I, I'd say... I'd, I'd, I'd also say it's very visual, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I don't know, I can relate to it a lot, um, and I, I think I have a similar sensibility in terms of, yeah, totally. uh, you know, sort of symmetry in some weird way, mm-hmm. and, you know, with the with the stereo field a lot. Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah, the possibilities with two channels. Yeah. For a while in college, and at my two quarters in Evergreen, 
all the studios on campus were set up in quadraphonic from wow. like in really nice like API boards okay. and just super nice equipment that nobody ever used. Was that like pre pre five point one or some shit? Like maybe yeah. Does that mean four speakers? Four speakers, yeah. yeah. So really nice speakers and all the mixing boards had, you know, a pan knob and also a front and back pan knob. Yeah. And uh all the mix down decks were half inch four tracks. So you would mix down to that and then back when people could cut quadraphonic LPs. Was there someone at some point that thought that that would be the future? Yeah. You that was see, like the laser disc of... You could find... Exactly, yeah. It was like hi-fi, quadraphonic for hi-fi audio the, files who would have a quadraphonic turntable and set up and just really get into listening. Think about if everybody listened like that. I know. Though, you could actually mix like that, It didn't man. catch on. But so I tried to... I thought, well, nobody has these turntables. No one has ways of listening to this music. But you could take a four-track, mix down to a four-track cassette. Lots of people have those. So you yeah. could run line out from each track and set up two stereos in your house. And so I put up posters around campus that were Quadraphonic Enthusiast Tape Exchange Club. <laughs> and I was like, let's do this. Let's like get oh the nerds God. together. And of course, nobody ever called my number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the possibilities. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Of course, now with computers, it's probably so easy to do something like that. I'm sure. Yeah, and I was actually... I just got a cab ride. Speaking of this, is interesting. It's fortuitous. I didn't... Uh, I had a cab ride from a guy, and the Moody Blues was playing, and, and somehow the conversation went into uh, talking about stereo equipment and fidelity, and, you know, he has, like, you know, he had a 5.1 system, which is like, mm -hmm. like whatever, quadraphonic, but, like... Uh, I guess two more speakers, mm -hmm. like a bass in the middle or something. Oh yeah, that's what it is—a sub and then a and then a like a center speaker. Yeah, he he starts talking about how you know he he wants to get this system that's like fucking there are these speakers that are thirty thousand dollars or three hundred thousand. I can't remember what he said. <laughs> that's anyway. the same number at that level. <laughs> to me, it's like yeah, exactly. I'm like, and then I said, I said, I said that's that's a little overboard, don't you think? And he and he's like. He got pissed. He's like, no. He's like, you know, and I'm like, well, I mean, I guess if you have that much money. I was like, well, but you could, like, feed an African child for life. And he was like, why would I want to do that? I'm like, oh, never mind. We've gotten you to dub narcotic, and then what happens then? You just you spend a lot of time there. I mean, basically, my life now is the same as it was then. I, yeah. I like, locked into this idea that you could put out albums, go on tour set up a merch table, spend that money on food. Yeah. And that's what I do now. It's just kind of expanded slightly on scale and um, autonomy. Do you do pretty pretty decently? You make a decent living with that? I think, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been great lately. I've, yeah. been, I've had a good run, a good year, especially. I, I put out, I reissued all the microphones records. Yes. So I put out like five records or more this year if you count extra side stuff I, I listened to the originals I mean the the reissues that you just had like the the actual records oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a couple days ago in LA oh, Sean, yeah. Sean who runs Anacon I was staying with him and he uh, he had them and man I hadn't listened to Song Islands or Glow Part 2 in, in a while those are so fucking good thank you those are so fucking good I, I'm surprised that it's been that people have bought them at all. I mean, I feel really lucky to um, re-release them. I just want to want them to be in print, want them to be available, and they've been out of print for a while. 
I should have asked you to bring some. I got some. I'll give you some. Oh! I happen to have my merch in my truck Fuck still. Yes. I'll buy them. I'll buy them. No way. I'll trade you. How about? <laughs> All right. I don't good, have good, any good, more. Good, good, good. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's been a good year, and I got a new fireplace. <laughs> what do you mean? Like a good a new wood stove. Oh, wood our, stove. Our okay. wood stove needed to be replaced. So that's okay. I'm considering that. Like, also we got a nice new couch right next to the fireplace, the wood stove. So. I think of that corner of the house as, like, the microphone's commemorative. Yeah. I'm going to make a little plaque that says, like, you know, because it's the, basically the microphone's money coming Watch in. Watch that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this is, uh, was... Commemorative chill-out zone. Yeah. This was donated by Anonymous, <laughs> yeah. i.e. the microphones. <laughs> yeah. And there you met all those other K people, I guess. Right, yeah. Working. There was a good... I lived in Olympia for five years, and... There was just this kind of renaissance happening. I think it's a college town, so maybe it goes... Maybe it's typical of a college town for it to go through different phases of cultural prosperity. Yeah. But when I was there, it just felt magical. Like, everyone living downtown was doing something amazing, and everyone was just... Nobody had a job. Nobody had a TV. There was no internet, really, yet. And Internet it, ruined everything. It really did. Right? But at the same time, like, here I am putting out my own records yeah. on my website. Couldn't selling. do that without the internet. Well, you could. I could, actually. but just, like, on a much smaller scale. Sure. But anyways, it was a good five years there of, like, collaboration and just... Calvin and Deb Narcotic Studio, it was just, like... He just made it available to us to do whatever weird projects we wanted in there. And that was that a was that sixteen tracks? Is that what was happening? Yeah, at there? first it was eight track, um, like a half inch eight track, and then he got a two inch sixteen track that was always kind of breaking down, always kind of functional. Okay. A lot of the sounds on my records are just because the track that day happened to sound like that. Right. Like a lot of weird tape distortion that yeah. just, you never know what it was going to be like the next day. And you did those those microphones albums on the the sixteen or the the on the two inch or, about, ha- or half inch? About half and half. Like, okay. Um, I think the sixteen track came in right at the end of recording. It was hot. We stayed in the water. Okay. So everything after that, the last three albums were on the sixteen track. Okay. And I did a lot of bouncing tracks and stuff too, even on the sixteen, just to you know maximize. Right. I want. 12 voices here or yeah whatever. exactly yeah sure to, can't quite get this tambourine track right I'll just quadruple it yeah sure <laughs> been there um and yeah I remember listening to the that mirror record somebody somebody the first one somebody uh gave me a a, a dub CD of that um and I was like that's Phil Elbrum that's Phil Elbrum <laughs> like on on the songs that you did I could just tell it was like, so fun meeting Mira and realizing that we liked that we had a good time working together yeah. just because she wrote these kind of perfect yep. pop songs and she sings like a flute just like so pure sine wave voice and and she's also open from to me for me to be like hey how about we put like 20 snare drums right here and, right. and do this and we'll make how about we cut out this section and then instead just like let me play distorted bass for a little while right 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 and she's yeah so gratifying to have the song is already written because making yeah. a song can actually be the hardest part for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I I hear you there with that. That that is like the 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 craft of arranging and and producing. I could I could do. I could do day in day out always, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, coming up with the material to play mm-hmm. is sometimes a struggle. 
It's almost like a different part of the brain or something. Yeah. You're, you're trying to think of what the world needs to know. Right, right. What's your message? I think, no, I, I think the marriage between your sound and, and Mira was, that was really, really cool. Because it did have, you know, you, you have this almost, uh, it's almost like a calculated menacing thing sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, like you don't know like it's it's organized and and flanked and and you know but like you don't know if it might all of a sudden just attack you or yeah, something yeah. like that and and mirror shit is so like you said precise and mm-hmm. right and right on that it, it really it really sits really well together i used to listen to a lot of horror movie i mean i still do horror movie soundtracks like classic ones yeah and it's just yeah that i'm so fascinating the vibe that can be created from musical components and tonal components i don't know how music works really like what's happening on the keyboard but you know half steps right next to each other and is a very basic thing but like listening to horror music that is subtly scary or just slightly uneasy so fascinating to me and beautiful actually and and have you sort of picked apart what makes it like not that you would explain it in in notes but I don't know methods of making something that feels that way. Maybe I've stumbled on them myself. Yeah, but and yeah. then yeah, learned, kept up with them. But yeah, only to use as a component within other things because I right. never really want to sound exactly like one thing. Right. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what makes it interesting is that it, it is a marriage of things. Mm-hmm. Um, people started to notice at some point what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, I just toured all the time because I loved it, and um, I don't know. I think a lot of people think that a thing about me, which is that I had this record, The Globe Part Two, come out, and it had a lot of attention, and things changed. But when I think back about what I was actually doing in the year after that came out, nothing changed. I mean. I, just because it wasn't part of my reality at all. I never looked at... Were there more people at your shows, though? That's where you would notice it, I guess. Maybe slightly, but yeah. I was playing, like, a backyard on the outskirts of Redding, California, at, you know, someone's house. I was playing really weird shows. Right, right. You weren't, you, you weren't doing clubs. I wasn't doing clubs, and I was only booking... I would, I would totally play in clubs if I knew how to get those shows. I just <laughs> didn't, and I was booking my own shows and um i saw you three shows that i saw you at let's say were in oakland were a backyard uh a church basement and um a room a room in in like a it wasn't a mansion but a very big house but it was like a more squalor oh yeah squatty yeah yeah a a fancy punk house yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so yeah that's to give yeah, I mean, I think that was just because that was the network that was available available to me through K, and they have a database of, or, you know, young people write to them, or at least at that time would write to them and say, hey, if you ever have any bands coming through, I'd put on shows in my town. And so there was a database there, and I would just call people up and say, putting on a tour. I wonder how much that happens now, or what has changed. I'm sure there's a scene for that, yeah. you know? There's house shows. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But I wonder how organized it is. The house shows I've been to or played at in the last year or two have felt, I 
think what's different now is that young people don't think of music as worth any money because everything is free on the internet. Yeah. So the idea of paying three to seven dollars at the door of a house show is like this costs money and that yeah. was always there but now it's just like everyone would say that everyone's yeah. like why would i pay for this right I, i'm poor and it's crazy yeah that idea that music has monetary value is er- eroding yeah but that's maybe a whole other conversation let's go there with the conversation All right. I, I, mean, I think that's a very like how how do we who make art uh, make a living now? Mm-hmm. Like you know, t-shirts and hats. Exactly, <laughs> but that's such a weird like. No, it's fucked up. Uh, the Spotify drama too. That's like they're insane. They're not paying people, they right? Don't pay. I just got a royalty statement a couple months ago that was like one hundred and fifty thousand plays on, for a song on Spotify. And it, the amount of my royalty check was four dollars or something. Oh my god! And that's, you know, I'm not I'm not that popular. So, but still, no nobody is making money off Spotify yeah. except for Spotify. Right, right. Or whoever their advertisers advertisers are. So I I just had all my albums removed from Spotify and other streaming sites like Pandora, whatever. Yeah, just because seems like like a raw deal it's like some old that's like some old like phil specter finding four black girls and never paying them <laughs> exactly kind of shit. but it's also because it's a new thing that the rules are being written now and of course they're being written by the people with the loudest voice and the most foresight and most money mm-hmm. so but you're not the artists they're not the artists the artists are fo- <laughs> focusing on making art yeah and the pe- the parasitical aspects of the industry are being like, ooh, yeah, let's get in on this quick yeah. before anyone notices and lobby Congress to lock it down as law that streaming is not the same as radio play and blah, right. blah, blah. But not to gripe about Spotify's royalty rates, but what I think the impact of that is is that people don't consider music as having value. Right. And you can always just having, play everything for free. You can always play everything for free. If you are the type of person that wants to illegally download, you can do that. But if you're the type of person who's like, oh, that's illegal, I'm not going to do that, then you use Spotify, which right. is the same thing. Right. It's just that it's technically legal. It's that the people that... Somebody's making money on that, but they're not... It's not the artist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, of course, there are super legit people who see the big picture and will, like, buy a thing. And, or send... send a, Download the money. Download the album for money off the band's Bandcamp, or right? Whatever. Right. I I think for me, another thing that bothers me about it, you know, yeah, one thing is like, you know, how how do we get paid for, you know, having giving a, a contribution to culture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the cultural landscape. The other thing is that it's it's morphing the way people interact with music so the twitter idea has leached on to music mm-hmm. so people people only want to hear it in bite-sized portions you know you'll mm-hmm. I, i've seen kids uh, you know on their phone you know blaring out the speaker of the phone listen to like mm-hmm. a verse and then oh, oh let me try this song <laughs> yeah yeah you know, i love this like, chorus yeah exactly yeah and 
you know, I know when you and I, you know, came up and you probably still do this. And I, when I listen to music, I try to do this is you, you, you listen to an album, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you might listen to it several times in a row and really, really get a hold of it in your mind. I wonder how, I don't know if I think that is necessarily a bad thing though. It's insane. It's different. It's definitely, yeah, different and crazy to us. Yeah. But it, I think that with that issue, there might be a little bit of, like, kids these days don't know what music sure. is. Sure, and, and that is me saying that. But if you go back, you're right, if you if you go back to the 60s, before long-playing albums came out, mm. people did just listen to, I mean, it was different. You had your 45, and you listened to a song, and then you put on another yeah. song of another artist. So it's just different formats, I guess. You I think, say. yeah, I think these conceptions are based on the technology of how yeah. music was disseminated. And I'm not fighting it. I'm not trying to yeah. fight it. I'm just noticing. imagine though. Imagine like ten years from now or whatever, when it will just be blips. It will right, just be right. like somebody like a two-second tone <laughs> <laughs> will be the thing that people like to hear. Neo D'Angelo's new song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, Imagine the yeah. possibilities. Oh my god! <laughs> the attention span just getting shorter and shorter. And shorter. The mixtape. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Just might, but maybe you can also like have another earbud in, listening to another thing at right. the same time. <laughs> right, right. And it's not audio anymore. It's yeah. just it streams right into your bloodstream. <laughs> oh my Jesus! Yeah, it's crazy, but. That might be natural evolution. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm not a luddite type person, or like, you know, I'm I'm ignorant of some techno- technological things, and oftentimes people have to show me how things work, or you know, <laughs> explain, you know, what uh, YOLO means or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I'm I try to go with the flow as much as I can. And I understand, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't like fight the path of, of history that's going to take place. Because no, we're not we're not going back to the... I mean, like, I'll, I'll listen to a, a, a vinyl record or whatever, but we're not going back to that as a culture, as a society. No. Like, you know, there, there are those of us that prefer that, but the way of the world is the internet. Uh, to be fair, I do think there are things that are inherently good and bad about these things. So... The erosion of our attention spans and our abilities to, like, chill and pay attention to something. Yeah. I do think that is bad. That is bad. Straight up. Like, regardless of... Your brain is not meant to be that that erratic and and frantic. We are not that animal. And Mm -hmm. maybe in a hundred or thousand years... We will evolve to be that animal. Yeah. We'll probably be on, like, a barren rock of dust post-apocalyptic. But, uh, yeah... It would be nice if people had more attention spans and presence, and you could make art that people would just, like, chill the fuck out and absorb it. But uh, right now in this world we have, few people are that slow. It's yeah. just the world we live in. Yeah. Do you feel do you feel slow, sort of? No, no. I'm. You're, you're quick. A, you know, it's a constant problem yeah. to, to remember to slow down. But I do like living in my small town that is boring. I mean that that in and of itself is is an attempt to stay grounded and slow I would think, right? Yeah. And that might be because I maybe I feel frantic enough in my own mind just with my own projects and ideas going on that the idea of living in a city where I walk out the door and it's also like that um that seems overwhelming to me. It feels oh, it, it maybe seems absurd, but yeah, my life in Anacortes feels 
frantic and overwhelming frequently. Hmm. Like running to the post office and like running over there like, ah, I got to do this and this and this. Oh, now what am I forgetting? So I think it's just all etern- internal. Et- huh. Eternal. Why do, you, why do you think that is? Just the way you're built? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I need to learn how to meditate more. Do you do you meditate at all or do any kind of Not things like that? I read. I sit in the chair and read a book. I can't read anymore, Phil. <laughs> I can't read anymore. Really? I, yeah, I can't do it, man. I like when you're home, even. Just... I can't do it. I can I can watch a movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? I, I don't know. It's the internet, man. It's uh, the focus. Yeah, the focus. I lack. I lack the. Fo- I never look. My sister. She's a, she's a special ed teacher. She said that I have visual learning issues. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not a good reader as it is. I was I've always been extremely slow. Yeah. But I always was reading a book. Mm-hmm. You know, slowly. Yeah. But sort of, you know. I'm kind of that way too. And not anymore, man. I I haven't read a book in a couple years. Uh-huh. You know. Well, did you ever find pleasure in it? Reading a book? I did. I did. It 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 it's that same issue that we're saying like it 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 slow it kept my mind in in a certain focused place. Um, and in, in almost was like, it is like meditating mm-hmm. in a way, you know, you get into a zone and yeah, I, I, I very rarely get into a zone anymore. I feel like, hmm. you know, I do when I'm working, I guess, you know, yeah, um, and I the can. hours fly by, but yeah, that's harder and harder for me these days. I'm going to try to, I got to try to get back to it. I got to make a life change. <laughs> I always feel like I, I I'll say I have to make a life change for a long time before I'll actually do it. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's a solution. Yeah. To uh, maybe it has something to do with having a daily routine. I pretty much only read when I'm eating breakfast in my same chair in front of the window every day. Okay. And I would like to read more. I read so slowly. Really. And my stack of incoming books to read is absurd. Comes fast. Yeah, but. And yeah, for me, read, the book collection is a lot like, someday I'm going to get to all these. Someday the internet will break. Right. And I'll, I'm set. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like, the other thing is like, I'll just, I'll just look at the internet a little more right now, or just today, just a little bit more, and then like I'm going to get into this zone where I'm like, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm having focus, I'm having like, you know, and it's, it's it never really gets there unless you do it that, you know, it's like anything else. I'm not going to eat one more donut. Or whatever. If you're not, if you don't get satisfaction out of it on a deep level, what's the point agonizing about it? Maybe whatever makes you thrive. But I don't get satisfaction out of the, the internet. internet. Yeah, like so, it's like I'm on, I'm on, you know, I'm on all the social medias, uh-huh. all of them, pretty much. That when they come out, I'm on it, mm-hmm. pretty much. I'm like, oh, I should get that. <laughs> Now I'm on this ridiculous thing called Snapchat. Do you uh-huh. know what that is? I've heard the name. It's amazing. It's insane. Is it dick pics? It could be. <laughs> I have yet to send a dick pic. I've gotten a couple titties, <laughs> which I appreciate if you're listening. <laughs> send more. But mostly it's just like random shit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just the weirdest, like no attention span thing in the world it it, it show the pic comes and then it sh- then it disappears after six seconds mm. hmm. it's like why am I even looking at this and then they're gonna come out with a five second and then right. four seconds it's gonna right. like it's a project some 
computer programmers like we need to get these attention spans down. We need down. to change minds. These attention spans are too long out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, again, maybe it's all Eric. personal. Maybe it's all. I don't know. I, I got It's a bad habit of mine to be devil's advocate and be like, "Well, maybe it's not a bad thing." Yeah, it is. You know, it's bad. It's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So anyway, let's go back to your history a little bit. If all that's right. all right. Yeah. Right. So you. So people started to take notice of you a little bit, but like you said, you're playing shows. It's not necessarily like it is in the club scene where we're like, okay, we got four hundred this time next time we got to sell out mm-hmm. it's kind of random right because some t- depending on whose house it is depending on yeah but i mean i've played club shows too um but i've never really had a concerted effort to make a push to, right, to right, a goal right it's always been more moment to moment like what sounds fun right now what way of doing a tour sounds fun and i've toyed with the idea of getting a booking agent lots of times i've done little test Experiments, test tours with a few different booking agents, and nothing has really felt harmonious. And yeah. I don't know. At this point, I just have enough momentum doing it myself that's easier and more pleasurable that way. Even though booking a tour is a lot of computer time for my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say we're we're somewhere between, you know, how you do it and say Seven Mary Three or something like that, <laughs> um, where you know we care we care about where we play and how many people come to the shows but uh, you know we don't go overboard about caring about it yeah no I I, I care a lot yeah it's more um, I guess the level of I don't know it's a difficult thing to talk about because I know that I'm a freak for finding pleasure in doing all these peripheral tasks putting out records and booking tours I know that most people who make music just don't they just want to make music yeah exactly and for me this project this big project that's called Mount Erie involves so much more than that and I even consider booking tours it's all part of the art it's all part of it yeah Yeah. going to the post office etc and it's a stretch to call a lot of it art because a lot of it is business yeah and um but yeah, it brings me pleasure. I, I like the idea of being involved in all doing all doing all steps that yeah. get that get the music into the ears of whoever's listening. Yeah, it's just sort of like I built this cabin from the ground up. Yeah, that's the kind of idea. Oh, I think it's cool. I, I think I think it's a very cool thing. I I just do you feel like you get overwhelmed at all? Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly. Yeah, but um, and, I also and feel you don't like want to hire people. No, I do. I mean, I you know I have a publicist for certain albums, and I um, lately I've been. It was I, Daniel, right? Daniel, yeah. Yeah. And I've been paying friends to do my mail order sometimes when I'm in a busy time. So yeah, I'm not opposed to the idea of having help. A lot of that comes down to finding the right people. But yeah, and I do get pleasure out of doing all this stuff. Fortunately, maybe at yeah. some point it will just be annoying and horrible to me. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, there's a lot of, like, I don't know, integrity and, um, I don't know. It seems like it seems like a, a, a very old-fashioned way of going about things. In complicated times. In complicated you know, times, like a, that's true. Simple solution. It's, it's a 19th century solution <laughs> yeah. to a 21st century problem. 
Yeah. But I think I think there's integrity in that, man. Also, yeah, a lot of friends who have questionable record label situations, you know, who are finishing records are have been asking me lately like what should I do? Should I um should I put out my own record? You do that. And so it does sort of seem like a lot of people are in this situation where they're questioning how music and money interface in their life. Mm-hmm. It's all shifting so much. Will Oldham just put out his own record. Really? Yeah, on this tour he was he had these all these records and CDs and tapes that he just the back of them is just the song titles and then his PO box. Okay. And he I thought of him as somebody who had it dialed in on Drag City, yeah. just like working well for him, but for whatever reason he decided it sounded fun to him to do it in this very simple way. And he he was asking me all these questions about how, you know, what what he should do. And it was like, why are you asking me? I, like, right? I've looked up to you for so right, long. Right, but he's not. You know, you've been doing it. Well, let's get to let's get to you doing it. Uh-huh. So you so your the final microphones album was called Mount Erie, mm-hmm. right? And what is Mount Erie? It's is that a, it's, it's a place. There's a town, or I mean, a mountain near where I live called near Mount Nicholas. Erie. Yeah, and, that's what I thought. Uh. I like that name a lot, and by the time that album came out, I the name The Microphones didn't really have anything to do with my songs anymore. It used to. I used to sing about recording a lot, but I hadn't been, and my songs were more, uh, I don't know, pastoral, mountain, mountain, and Okay, eerie, eerie so vibe. it was actually, you, you think of it as a shift in subject that shifted the name in a way. The other way around, like... Oh wait, yeah, no, no, exactly that way around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the subject shifted. Then I realized that it had shifted, and I was like, I gotta change it. And why do you think the subject shifted for well, you? You can only sing about recording for so long. Like, what you, more? You can... had gotten used to recording, and it became something that was. It just was like understood. At like, first, okay. I thought the novelty of singing about a microphone that loves the speaker, and then they meet, and their feedback is created. Right, but, right. But <laughs> right. that's not. But my you had a, you had a reverence towards the gear in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And okay. it was a recording project for sure. I was yeah. passionate about it, and I still am. But I want to say more mysterious and bigger things. Yeah. So Mount Erie. And also, I do really like the name, the idea of the name anchoring me to a spot. And right around then, I got into this Chinese poet, a Cold Mountain, Han Shan, from like 700 AD or so. Okay. And he named himself after his home mountain. And just this idea of like, fuck it, I'm going to take the name of this spot right here so everyone, <laughs> yeah. I won't ever have to explain where I'm from. Right, right. So that was kind of the idea. Huh? And do you feel like you also maybe started to your your view of the world needed to expand and get a little more? Uh, not, I don't want to say metaphysical, but but physical and and therefore maybe metaphysical because it's like more more grounded with nature and and yeah maybe everything like that. And you were getting into your what late twenties? No, almost thirty. Let's see, Mount Erie came out in two thousand three, so I was twenty five. Okay, Jesus Christ, you were like. I was a twin. Fifteen when you were—that's so crazy. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, Hood. Um, no. You I, don't know those guys? I know the name, but that's it. They're they're it's a, a band out of Leeds, um, uh-huh. and uh, I've been friends with them for a while. And, and they same deal with them as they started like they put out their first album when they were fifteen, and 
Actually, I see a lot of parallels between you and them, hmm. in a way. You should check them out. They're good. All right. Yeah, it's a good band. So, okay, you changed the name. Did you Did you then move back up from yeah, Olympia? Yeah, I moved out of... Well, f- before moving to Olymp- back from Olympia, I, um, I went on tour for about a year, just all over the U.S. and uh, Europe, and then I stayed in Norway for the winter for like five months and then I this came. is after the Mount Erie record or after No Flashlight this is after recording the Mount Erie record okay before it was actually released it was released in the middle of all this touring okay and um went to Japan we just went all over the place and was away from home for a year and then came home and decided to stay in Anacortes I was planning to move to nowhere I had this Toyota pickup and I put curtains in the back and a little bed and a little bookshelf. And How did I was that like, work out? It was awesome. Yeah. Because you can just park it wherever. Yeah. Maybe one of these pickups has somebody sleeping in it. It's just totally covert. But, um, you know, after borrowing other people's bathrooms or, like, getting right. kicked, kicked off land by the cops yeah. a few times, the novelty wears off. How can you get a shower in a pickup truck? That's the question. A lot, a lot of coin-operated showers. Okay. Campgrounds. Yeah, yeah. And then I stayed at my parents' house a lot. Our friends' houses. Yeah. Had a little camp stove. It was awesome, actually. Touring that way was the best. Sleeping. I, th- I, saw, I saw you that way at some point. I mean, yeah, you probably did. Didn't you, when you came out with us, were you doing that? I had the pickup, but I don't... I don't think you were sleeping in it. I don't think I was sleeping in no. it. No. I miss that. I, want, I always think I'm going to go back to it, but... 35 now. Yeah. Maybe I, once I'm like 50, I'll come back to it. Right. <laughs> are you are you married right now? I am. Right? Yeah. yeah. Currently yeah. married. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's hard to, probably yeah. harder to do that. We have done that, actually. That's yeah. like kind of how we met. I was like, let's go on tour together on Vancouver Island. And she was into it. And it's um it's a good bonding experiment. I'm Ex- sure, yeah. Experiment. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah, I, I toured and then came back and stayed in Anacortes. It was a good time in Anacortes at that point. The, this Some young people had moved to town and started this big venue called the Department of Safety. Oh, yeah. And that was... We played there that one time. Yeah, you did. I'm trying to... Okay, so you, you started that place. No, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, I was looking for the light. I was friends with the folks that did. I didn't know them. They just showed up and almost like fell out of the sky. Chose Anacortes, saw this amazing building was for rent, and came there and did their project. So I came back from this year-long tour, and my hometown had been transformed into, like, an awesome touring touring spot. And great big shows were happening there, and it was a great time to come home. Cool. Yeah. Did you get involved with that spot at that at that point? Yeah, and totally. I was yeah. involved the whole time. They lasted for eight years. And okay. I was always there helping, and I never lived there or paid the rent, but I was always there. I was the unofficial janitor. Okay. And, and helped organize Meaning stuff. you cleaned and no one acknowledged it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> At one point, I letterpressed these posters, these huge posters, and put them up as pretty assholey of me, but they were just like, wash your dishes now. Oh, man. It's Saturday. It's the trash out. Turn right. off the lights. Right, right. It's like propaganda posters. Because you were probably older than the other. I was older than the other ones, yeah. and I didn't even live there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to come to a space that's all exactly. It was just so depressing. Some, yeah. sometimes. But that's how squats are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Squats are hit or miss. You know, <laughs> mostly miss. miss. Mostly miss. Every once in a while, usually in in Switzerland or something, you'll go to like 
whoa, these guys really have it together, you know. <laughs> Switzerland, like, yeah, of course. We've been squatting here for 70 years? Yeah, tight ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mostly miss. Jesus, <laughs> lots of lots of dreadlocks. Yeah. Dick, dick drawings. Yeah, and dick, dick smell. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, so you switched over to calling it Mount Erie, and, and what, what changed at that point other than the subject matter, would you say? I mean, nothing nothing abruptly changed. It, it had already been changing. I don't know. I was, it's always changing, I should say. Sure, yes, but yeah, of course, um, of course, yeah. I don't know. I think around that time was when I started getting more freeform with my shows, experimenting more with what could happen at a live show. Um doing a lot of skits and fake blood and okay. just like getting in different bands. I don't bands. think I saw that. <laughs> there were some crazy times. Some shows with just like minimal music at all. Yeah. A sword and like a, <laughs> a portion of a little play that I had written. and Like vaudeville. Yeah. A variety show. A variety show. Yeah. Yeah. We There was this insane tour that was me and Calvin Johnson and Kayla Marisic from The Blow. Uh-huh. And originally Kyle Field from Little Wings, it yeah. was the four of us, but Kyle bailed and went surfing mid-tour. And uh, so Kayla and Calvin and I did this tour called the Paper Opera Tour around the U.S. And the van was just full of amazing, like, a bunch of rope, a timpani drum, a huge wolf's head mask, lots of paint, rolls of newsprint, just like a harness. Yeah. <laughs> just the <laughs> yeah. weirdest shit. And we would get to the venues at one or so in the afternoon and spend the day making a new show from scratch and it was a lot wow. of set building and it was nuts that we did, did that did people appreciate day. it? yeah yeah they did but it was 2002 2001 so it was mostly undocumented because there was no internet really and no uh, cell phone cameras okay and sometimes I think of those shows and I'm like wait did that really happen? did I like do some rock climbing on the stage? the stage wall and like rappel down onto the stage right, right. and then like go in this blanket fort and then wow. go into the audience and steal should've, stuff should have shot the video man. I know there is some it's almost maybe better as half remembered right there's there's there are there are a handful of audiences that got to see that yeah and and it's only in their memories so that's what I was doing when the glow part 2 came out and maybe that explains why there wasn't like why you weren't aware that you were becoming a I was household like name in the whatever. actively shunning the, yeah. uh, the normal way of doing things and and people were talking about that in, in like the the new blogosphere I guess and stuff like that what the glow part 2 yeah I mean it was it became I mean I think a lot of it had to do with it got reviewed on Pitchfork which okay. was pretty which new which was then. new and, and it got a really good review and then they gave it the album of the year and okay. a lot yeah. of people started to congratulate me about this thing I had no idea what it was right and still people talk to me about it um as you know congratulations on this thing yeah and um so I think it was meaningful to people out there yeah but um Nothing major shifted. A lot of the reverence for it is come in hindsight, I think. That tends to be the case, yeah. I think, a lot of the time. Canonization. Um, if it's not, usually the album's probably not that great. If if if, every, right. all, if all the accolades come right on sure, it. Sure, yeah. It probably doesn't have many layers. Yeah, you got to be careful of those accolades. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they don't come. Got you. Got to juke them, man. You gotta, <laughs> 
and since then you've just been pretty much doing yeah pretty similar much. stuff uh, yeah so the other thing that shifted right around well the label I wanted to yeah, talk about that yeah, yeah I decided I wanted to put out my own record just to see what it was which, like which was the first one no flashlight that was no flashlight yeah. okay yeah I mean, before that, I had put out a couple of friends' records and small things, but the first official Mount Erie record that I put out myself was No Flashlight. And it was meant to maybe just be the one one thing. I just wanted to try to put out my own record and then let Kay do the rest, but I really liked it. I really, It was simple, and I enjoyed... Um, all those details, calling the printer what, and stuff. I mean, what, what, what was the reason behind it? What, like, were you dissatisfied with what was going on with Kay, or N- not really? I mean, if anything, production-wise, I'm pretty nitpicky about the artwork and like printing and stuff. And there was always a subtle flaw with every little thing, like, oh, whoops, the sticker got put over here instead yeah. of over here, or. Things that maybe most people wouldn't care about, but for whatever reason, I I do. And so I wanted to just... I wanted it to be my fault that the sticker got put in the wrong place, if it did. Right. And it didn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And I like it that way. I mean, I'm the one who cares about how it looks so much, not an employee somewhere. Right. So it should be my fault. Right. And I have the time and energy to devote to it. So, Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Do you feel, you don't feel like it takes away from your creative energy ever? Well, if anything, it's the aspect where I pack the orders and ship them because sometimes that that's so mindless. Yeah, it's so mindless and takes up enough time. It'll take like 2 days out of the week. Yeah. Um that that can chip away at the Which one is the right brain, left brain, which one is creativity? I don't know. Yeah, well, whichever one that Whichever side writes songs, yeah, chips away. Was that. being filled by watching like Born Ultimatum and packing orders. I like that shit though. Yeah, like me the Bourne, too. The Born movies. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, something people wouldn't think about you. Oh man, if only they knew. Yeah. If only they knew the <laughs> truth. <laughs> How many times I've seen all of the Born movies? Really? Yeah. I think I've seen them all once. What's your favorite? Um, I think I like the uh, Supremacy. A lot. Uh, which one is that? That's two. Okay. That's Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, and then Legacy. <laughs> but, the, but Legacy doesn't really have Matt Damon in it too much. No, though. I like that one, though. The opening scene is, it's like in um, the one in Alaska. The, yeah, when he the, kills the girl. Yeah. Not to fucking spoil it. There's the wolves. He has to, like, feed this tracking device to a wolf so hard. that the so the drone kills the wolf. Yeah. No, it's just really hard. Yeah. That's what I... But yeah, so packing orders was my way of consuming media, because you can just sit there and zone out while you're writing the address and filling the boxes. I do like it. I don't watch so many movies now, because I have had my friends doing that part. Right. And actually, I think it's a really good life change. Probably not going to not do that. resume that. Yeah. Just because I've been going to the studio, and like... Yeah. And tell me about your studio. Um... Let's see, two years ago, coming up on three years ago, the old Catholic church building became available um, in our town, like right downtown. It's this cathedral, basically, made out of wood, like a a shitty cathedral. (laughs) Uh, It had been a sail loft for people making sails for sailboats. Oh, cool. But they 
left, and so, yeah, we just heard it was coming up, and it was cheap, and we had this recording equipment, a friend and I, like, combined, we had enough stuff, and we had, I needed more space for my record label stuff anyway, so we rented it out, and it's a real studio, it's called The Unknown. Is this the place that you were trying to buy at some point? It's right next door to... We made an offer on the house, which was the old rectory. Okay. Attached, kind of attached to the church. But we didn't buy it, fortunately. Okay. Um, we bought a different house. Cool. Across town. But we're renting this church. It's huge. It's so awesome to record there. We put on shows there sometimes. We put okay. on a festival in the summer. And... Nick, who shares the studio with me, does it more as a job, like records bands all the time. And this is Nick from, uh, what's his band called again? Different Nick, probably, than you're thinking of. Okay, who, who am I thinking of? What's his Nick uh, Kurgovich. His, his band is No escaping. Kids. No Kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, he lives in Vancouver. This Nick okay. is, uh, uh, he, yeah, Nick Wilbur. Okay. He records bands, and I keep thinking I'm going to get into doing that, but I just haven't found the time yet. But it's an it's a sweet studio. I mean that's I mean you have done that you know it's true. But you're saying as a, as like more of a full time thing. Yeah, just to make myself available, like as a job I could do. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's great. That would be great for you. Yeah. I wonder if I would like it. I've only ever really done it with friends. I think I think that it would have to be. You'd have to like the material. Yeah. I mean, bottom line. I'd have to curate. Yeah, you'd have to curate it. You'd, people mm-hmm. would send you their material. Or maybe I could have a disclaimer that's like, I get executive decision, I get to decide how your then, songs go. But then you're like, then you're like writing someone's material yeah, no, kind of. And it's like, you know, you the reason why you would want to do it probably is because it's like, you don't have to put the, the same brain energy as writing, mm-hmm. but just use your craft. Of, yeah arranging and recording yeah I don't I've never really worked with another engineer or producer so I don't even know like what that job description means in practice you know what I mean I, well I don't people, know what people would normal. not be coming to you because you're you're like just like some random engineer dude would be coming to you for your sound mm-hmm. so hopefully I, in Anacortis though I'm I mean I don't know more or less anonymous I might be like really the, the, getting the Congo player from the health food store. Right, right. <laughs> Which would I'm be awesome. Cut some tracks, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. That'd um, be cool too, though. It would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the studio is sweet, and uh, it's nice to have a huge room with lots of instruments. And basically, yeah, it's just right now I'm working on my canoe project in there. <laughs> You okay. Know, it's just like an available space yeah. to use for whatever. Silk screening, it's record stuffing. Tell, tell me this. Ha, like, do you pretty much exclusively record things one one thing at a time and layer like that? Or, or, or have you dealt in recording, you know, like a, say, three people at a time or something like that? Yeah, I've done that. You've done that? Yeah, okay. sometimes for a specific idea that just can't be accomplished. And it's actually, you know, it's... But not in a typical way. Not, yeah, not like, here's the song, let's practice the song, get right. it tight, lay lay the bass tracks. No, it's m- more like, I want to see how long we can play this note. And if we all work together, maybe we can play it longer. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I've done 
that type of stuff. Not so much band recording, but needing more bodies to execute the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to be very much in my own mind with my musical ideas and have, have a hard time communicating them to others. So you, you work best alone in a way. Yeah. Or or I think so. with total control and, and having other people do your bidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess in some ways I tend towards that. Um, but I'm I'm trying to be a little more more collaborative. Yeah, I know it sounds nice. Yeah, but I want to but I want to maintain still the unique. Um, I I don't know. I want to still maintain a certain sound or feel. I mm-hmm. don't want it to turn into sounding like generic band recordings. You know. Right. What I mean? Yeah. Well, and that's part of also why it's important to me to keep the live band always shifting. Because yeah. I don't know. I I just remember in high school feeling like a lot of my bands that I would really love would that st- they would start as a recording experiment and then they would get a band together to play the shows live and then the next album that would come out would be the band playing yep. Yep. and it's such a bummer and then an album after that same thing band. yeah yeah and then just a, a vibrant weird recording thing would turn into a rock band right and then they yeah they learn the songs and then go in the studio and play the songs like yeah. that yeah that never appealed to me that never appealed to me but you got to play live too, or you don't have to. But if you, you know, yeah, if you want to, you, then you have to put a band together and do it like that. Mm-hmm. I've always just thought about it as two totally different things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that said, we've always learned the songs from the recordings. Basically, I think what you do, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you have the recordings, and then everybody kind of looks through for the part that they're going to play and mm-hmm. sort of figures out how to do it to the best that they can. You know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. you change things or play whatever you played on, uh, you know, French horn. You might then now have to do it on guitar, yeah, or whatever you can bring with you. I usually don't remember at all, and then by the time my recordings are mixed, everything is just an impenetrable mush that I can't even yeah. pick out any. I usually go for more of the feeling, right, right, right. And lately, I've been getting into yeah this idea of doing covers of my songs, new versions, yeah, writing new lyrics. Song's been written for five years, but now I'm gonna write a, some new lyrics that Ashley will sing over the top of the five-year-old lyrics simultaneously with mine. Okay, it's just like new layers of sediment being added, right, right, and expanding, expanding in that direction. Like, like paint over paint on an old house. Yeah, exactly. That's Not quite cool. finished yet. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, I I think that uh, that was that's a good informative talk. Anything cool. else that you want to add to it? Or? No, I feel great about this. Awesome. I feel I feel good too. I've been here with Phil Elvrum, and uh, we're gonna sign off. Pleasure talking to you, Yoni. And you, Phil. Because the pupil of my eye is a hole. There's no inside and there's no out. The world isn't me and. I am in the world. Hootie who? You can find Phil. Follow his Twitter. Actually, I think it's at Phil Elvrum. Uh, and it, it has nothing to do with any of his music, but it's freaking hilarious. Uh, we talked about that in the beginning of the interview. But uh, yeah, follow me at Yoni Wolf, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com we have been working hard over at my brother's house we we are working on 
recording these golden ticket songs that we did. I'm not going to explain that. If you don't understand what it is, that's fine. Uh, that we did on, on the last tour. Uh, we did 15 of them. So we've been recording those just to document them. It's not like the most serious thing, but it's, it's sort of to rev us up, get us used to the uh, studio that, that uh, we built out in Josiah's basement. And uh, it's going well. We're getting some great sounds, uh, having a, lo- a lot of fun. Other than that, man, I need, I'd like a network for this podcast. Someone that would, that would uh, promote it, put it out, give it out to the people. If you know anybody, just drop them a line, send them a link. I'm not, I mean, I'm not super concerned about it, but it'd be kind of cool, right? Whatever. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Keep wandering. Because my teeth are the visible bones In my mouth of invisible Like that.